My dear friend, I welcome you to this episode of Hope Stream FM Weekly Bible Study Review. My name is Pastor Solomon Odiyebuchi Okono. The topic of this week's lesson is Singing the Lord's Song in Our Strange Land. The memory text is Psalm number 137 verse 4. How shall we sing the Lord's Song in Our Strange Land? Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for granting us this opportunity to study your word. I pray that you speak to our hearts right now. And dear Lord, bless each one of us with your word. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Right when they fall in Eden, man became exposed to terrible pain, suffering, distress, slavery, and death. In Psalms 137 verse 4, the Babylonian exiles, when asked to sing a song in the land of their slavery, expressed a terrible outburst against their Babylonian oppressors. How shall we sing the lost song in our strange land? To these captives, singing a new song in Babylon meant betraying or forgetting Jerusalem. It meant preferring the land of their captivity to Jerusalem, the city of God. The last part of Psalm 37 explains this fact better. If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her skill with the harp. Let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not prefer Jerusalem above my chief joy. But what does it mean to sing the lost song in a strange land? Whenever the lost song is sung in a strange land, it's a declaration of faith that the God of the universe will act and move on behalf of his children, no matter where they may be. Singing a lost song in a strange land is a declaration of the belief that though situations may not seem right, God is still the sovereign ruler who has absolute power and authority over all and who judges the world in righteousness. So why didn't the exiles sing the lost songs? Well, this may be the answer. They were so preoccupied with a sense of God's silence, with a sense of what they were going through at the moment, that they became too weak to express faith. Like these exiles, many times you and I are so worried, so preoccupied with a sense of God's seeming silence, or what we may be going through, that we become too weak to express faith. The days of evil. Psalm 79 verse 9. Help me, O God, of our salvation. For the glory of your name, deliver us and atone for our sins, for your name's sake. God has been accused of breaking his covenant with Israel and of being responsible for all the calamities that had befallen his children such as the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. Such scandals provided an opportunity for the heathen to blaspheme God. The Bible says that Israel is God's inheritance, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 32 to 38, and that God will never fail in his promises to his inheritance. However, the fact that other nations often invaded God's inheritance raised a question on God's promises and on his integrity. 
But the psalmist acknowledged that God was in no way at fault, but that the sins of the people corrupted their covenant relationship with God and brought upon them all the consequences. Psalm 79 verses 8 and 9. Israel knew that their survival depended solely upon God's gracious intervention and upon the restoration of their covenant with God who atones for their sins and who defends them. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 79 verse 9, The Lord is the God of our salvation, which conveys God's faithfulness to his covenantal promises. Israel knew that even more important than their restoration was the fact that God had called them to defend his name and his character. They knew that to defend his name, God will punish evil nations as he would appear to be weak and unjust. However, more important than the restoration of Israel's fortune is the defense of God's character in the world. If the evil actions of the nations go unpunished, it will appear that God has lost his power. Psalm 74 verses 18 to 23. Only when God saves his people will his name be justified and uplifted as it was with ancient Israel. So it is with us today. Our sins are backsliding. Our evils can bring disrepute not only on ourselves, but worse, on the God whose name we profess. Our wrong actions can have detrimental spiritual effects on our witness and mission as well. How many people have been turned off to our faith by the actions of those professing the name of Christ? Ellen G. White writes in The Desire of Ages, page 671, The honor of God, the honor of Christ, is involved in the perfection of the character of his people. How do you understand this? At death's door, Psalm 102, verse 11, my days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like grass. These and many other prayers in the Bible for salvation from illness and death show that God's people are not exempted from the pains and sufferings of this world. In the Psalms, we see that God's children, including the Psalmist, also suffer terrible affliction. But we also find in the Psalms that apart from the fact that these sufferings are manslots. Psalm 88 and Psalm 102 tells us that God sometimes permits sufferings upon his children because of disobedience. But the consolation is in the lament of the psalmist. For if the Lord in his sovereignty allowed trouble, he could restore the well-being of his children. In Psalm 88 verses 10 to 12, the psalmist remembers God's wonders, loving kindness, faithfulness, and righteousness. So despite his sense of being stricken by God, the psalmist clings to God. Although he suffers, he does not deny God's love and knows that God is his salvation. These appeals show that the psalmist knows not only suffering, but also has an intimate knowledge of God's grace and that the two do not necessarily exclude each other. 
In other words, both God's permitting of suffering and his deliverance are demonstrations of his ultimate sovereignty. Knowing that God is in control spares and spares hope. Just think about Jesus on the cross and what he suffered because of you and I and because of sin. How should that reality that God in Christ suffered even worse than any of us help us keep faith even amid times of suffering and trial? Where is God? Who hasn't got to that point where you are moved to ask, where is God? In the face of sufferings and troubles, God's seeming lack of attention to the pains of his servants become apparent. In Psalms 42 verses 1 to 3 and 63 verse 1, the psalmist feels God's absence like intense tests in a dry land and mortal anguish. Psalm 102 verses 2 to 4. In Psalm 102 verses 6 to 7, the psalmist feels removed from God and compares himself to lonely birds. I am like a pelican of the wilderness. I am like an owl in the desert. I lie awake and I am like a sparrow alone on the housetop. The mention of wilderness highlights the psalmist's sense of isolation from God. A bird alone on a housetop, a bird outside of his nest or its resting place. The psalmist cries to God out of the depths as if being engulfed by mighty waters and sinking in a deep mirror. Psalm 69 verses 1 to 3 and 130 verse 1. These images depict an expressive situation from which there is no escape, except by divine intervention. But the psalmist resolved not to keep silent in the face of God's seeming silence. He resolves to direct his prayers to the only living and gracious God. He recalls that if this same God heard their prayers in time past, then he will not remain silent forever. He will hear them again. Yes, if this same God heard your own prayer in time past, then be patient. He will not remain silent. He will hear you again. What can you learn from the psalmist's hope and faith approach? How can you learn to be sustained by faith when God seems silent? Has his promise failed forevermore? Today's lesson is filled with a lot of laments. First, the psalmist records that instead of being comforted, remembering God causes him to mourn. Psalm 73 verse 3. The Hebrew word hamar, which translates to mourn in English, often refers to the roaring or raging of waters. Psalm 46 verse 3. This suggests that the psalmist experienced some kind of unease or a state of distress. We too find ourselves in similar situations. But the question is, has God changed? Can he possibly betray his covenant? The contrast between God's saving us in the past and his seeming absence now should not suggest that God has changed or make us feel abandoned. For the Lord does not change. He is the same God who performed miracles in Israel's past 
and is ever present to take care of his own. Psalm 77 verses 11 to 18. Think about past times when the Lord walked in your life. How can that truth help you deal with whatever you are facing now? Lest the righteous be tempted. Psalm 125 verse 3. For the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous, lest the righteous put forth their hands into iniquity. One of the prominent themes in the book of Psalm is the question about the prosperity of the wicked and the suffering of the righteous. The wicked not only prosper, but at times also openly despise God and oppress others, yet they seem to continue to prosper more than the righteous. While the scepter of wickedness, as we find in Psalm 1225 verse 3, dominates the world, the scepter of righteousness, as we find in Psalm 46, 45 verse 6, seems to be falling. So the righteous is tempted to ask, why not give up and embrace evil as others do? But First Peter 1 verse 17 assures that God is not partial. Is an impartial God and will distribute rewards to everyone accordingly. The psalmist agrees that the problem is that God's children often feel that God is letting the wicked prosper while they suffer because they are unable to see the big picture. The psalmist counsels that rather than bother about the prosperity of the wicked, God's people should trust God's judgment. He writes in Psalm 73 verse 1, How good the God of Israel is to those who are upright in heart. How does the promise of God's judgment upon the world and upon all its evil give you comfort when so much evil now goes unpunished? In conclusion, God is just. Although it may seem that He is silent, yet He cares about His children. He has promised to reward the nations according to their deeds. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for such a sweet reminder of your care for your children and of your promise of justice. Help us to trust your word, to be consistent in loving you, that we may be rewarded with good in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for studying with me today on Hope Stream FM. For questions, contributions, and prayers, please reach out to me on WhatsApp on plus 234-903-789-1680. I take that again, plus 234-903-789-1680. God bless you.